we're live and um hey first and foremost thanks for taking the time to do this i appreciate it yeah thanks for having me i got klaus schlimm who is now the vp of marketing at progressive materials um, i was actually doing a little bit of research man and I, it looks like you got promoted in december is that right yeah yeah it was pretty nice uh unexpected but very much appreciated yeah and so um we met, and that's kind of how I started off, you know, a lot. I was sharing with, and I was sharing with you just a second ago before we went live that, you know, the goal with these things is to, you know, just to have a conversation with our customers to learn about them more, which is, you know, a big uh, something we care about a lot here, and uh, we feel like positions us to help you guys. And um, you and I met when you were at Luckett and Farley, and it looks like from what I found, you were there from 2015 to 2018. Is that right? Yeah, it was almost three years on the nose. And actually, I started the company in 2015, so I, oh, I remember. Really? Yeah, you know, it wasn't. I don't. It must not have been. Matter of fact, you may have joined. Was I already working with them before you got there? Uh, uh-uh, nope. Okay, so it happened after you had gotten there. Yeah, and it was Greg Bucola. I think I was working with initially, and then. Yeah, and then yeah. Kat and I. You uh, and Kat, yeah. Talked to you, and then I was working more on proposals, and uh, Kat kind of took over the onboarding of like a new new vendor like this and she recommended you and then we met i think we went to lunch at one point yep and then uh yeah y'all have good stuff good prices good customer service so we were real happy yeah and actually we still work with cat too uh over at at 1si yeah so really that's that's been good actually i mean you know one of the i guess one thing is that tends to happen in our business if we do a good job is sometimes people moving on can be a good thing for us because we'll keep the company, <laughs> you know, the company where you were and then we get where you're going. And in this case, we still do a little bit of business with Luckett and Farley, but culturally that, you know, they've changed a lot over there a little bit. And I honestly don't know if they do a ton of what we're doing these days. Uh, certainly a little bit different philosophy about it than when you guys were there, when Greg okay. was there too. I'm sure there's um, a lot fewer trade shows these days too, especially in that. That's sector. true. So, um, just I'm going to do a little bit of background on you first, and then I want to talk about progressive. So, and and I know that I should know the answer to this question, but are you originally from here? I grew up in Cincinnati. Okay, so then because then you went to Northern Kentucky. Yeah. Yep. What brought you down here? Uh, while at NKU, I met my wife, and she's from Louisville. So okay. Yeah, she ended up having to move home. Not have to, but decided it was best for her to move home, and yeah, I was, you know. Pretty much hitched to her at that point and thought it'd be, be a good time for a change. So we came down to Louisville, didn't have hardly any friends, didn't know anything. And we've uh, we've been down here to be 11 years in September and we really like it. You know, what's funny about that is I joke a lot because I'm originally from Springfield, Ohio, and uh, my wife kind of brought me here in July of 2013. And it, do- it does seem to go that way. Like I-, I know a lot of guys who have ended up kind of if if once they get married, if they're going to move to one hometown or the other, it tends to be the wife's hometown. And uh, I don't know if that has something to do with maybe parents and kids and some of the things that just some of the dynamics there. It's just kind of interesting. But I was joking with a guy. I said, you know, I didn't realize on the back of the marriage certificate when I signed it, there was, you know, small print that said that I would eventually live here. And it's hard to believe I've been here about seven years now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or going on eight. So. Yeah, it doesn't um, work out that way. It's pretty funny. Uh, where'd you go to high school in Cincinnati? I went to a... Uh, all boys Catholic high school called LaSalle. Good football school, right? Uh, yeah, they went D2 a couple years ago, but I think we've been crushing it in D2. So, um, But yeah, the, we're part of the GCL, and that's uh, high school athletics are pretty huge up in Cincinnati. So playing, I, I wrestled and like wrestling for a GCL school, um, 
was a pretty big deal. Any sports in the GCL is a pretty competitive league. So it's, uh, yeah, it was pretty competitive sports up there for sure. Well, that's one thing I've learned as I got down here because Springfield is a small town. We had, you know, just a few high schools and some county high schools, but Louisville and Cincinnati are similar to me in that, you know, where people went to high school is a big deal. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. I know up in Cincinnati, you got Moeller and you got, you know, I can't necessarily think off the top of my head a bunch of the other ones. You got some really, like you said, some really strong schools and obviously a lot of like D1 recruiting goes on up there and down here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, up at, in the GCL, so the league that we were in, it was Moeller, Xavier, Elder, and LaSalle. And then they had like the GCL South or something, which was like Roger Bacon, I think. Yep. Uh, uh, I, I remember Roger Bacon. Yeah, and then there was like it wasn't Macaulay. It was uh, I don't know. There was a couple other schools, but uh, but yeah, high schools high schools kind of a big deal up there, just like it is in Louisville. But uh, yeah, I went to Springfield North High School, which at the time there was Springfield North, Springfield South. It's now combined to Springfield High School, which it used to be. So it was interesting. A long time ago, it was Springfield High School. They broke it apart and then they brought it back together. Oh, I and um, you know, I remember in playoff stuff, we used to play the schools from down there. GCL, I assume something about that is Catholic League or something. Is that I, right? I think it's the greater yeah. Catholic League. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, all right. So the other thing I saw, I didn't know this. Your bachelor's degree was in history. Yeah. That's interesting. So tell me about, tell me about that. Uh, so I, I was going to go, uh, so history, a lot of people, I, I feel like don't know this. It segues into law school pretty easily. Yep. So the goal was to go to law school. Um, and in history, I don't know if I, I doubt this is unique to NKU and I would, I would presume that it was pretty across the board that there was kind of two sectors of history, uh, majors and those who want to go into history and those that want to go into law school. Um, and I was in the law school group and I had a couple guys that graduated before me and we all graduated. They graduated in 2008. I graduated in 2009 and that's when the market crashed. And <laughs> I don't know how that correlated to law directly, but <laughs> all of the one, all of my buddies who graduated before me were like, dude, don't go into law school right now. There's no jobs. Everything's falling apart, this and that. So you know, and I had student loans coming up. So I was like, well, if I can't go to law school, I got to do something. So I, I just got into sales. I started in, uh, I was working in retail, um, doing sales and retail. And then I went to life insurance and then I went to door to door sales, uh, for true green and telemarketing sales. So basically like all the worst jobs you could have. <laughs> and then, uh, found my well, sales own. jobs though. Right. Like, I mean, cause I mean, I, I remember I kind of walked a similar path. It's like, you know, you, I had a marketing degree, but you get out and it's like, well, what are you going to do with that? And it's like, you're going to go sell most yeah. likely in one, one form or another. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was just a matter of hustling. I, I worked my butt off and I mean, door to door sales and I was doing true green chemical, like lawn chemicals. So, I mean, you're talking, you're walking around steel toe boots and khakis in the Midwest and, you know, a hundred degrees. And it was, uh, it was a tough job, but you know, there's good money in sales if you hustle. And, uh, that's what I did and kind of just worked uh as as I kind of grew my sales portfolio I worked more into marketing roles and kind of uh then I got into more of kind of graphic design videography stuff that I'm actually really into um and that's kind of how I found myself here so I really kind of grew the marketing skills at a company called Rescare which is located over in Louisville I th I think they may have sold they might be something else now but for years I think ago, it's called Bright yes Bright, Bright something yeah Bright Spring something like that yeah, I think it's Bright Spring. And then, you know, so it's funny you bring up law school because when I started in uh, at Cedar, I went to Cedarville University, which is a small Baptist Christian school up in, uh, uh, it's probably 20 minutes south of Springfield, Ohio. So not far from Dayton, Ohio. 
Okay. And um, I was pre-law and, you know, I had to take some history classes and uh, ultimately really basically I got spooked at the idea of going to school for eight, eight years. <laughs> I just, I just didn't want to, you know, I, I really wanted to get out and just start working. Um, the funny thing is, is that eight years seemed like all the time in the world when I was that age and now it seems like nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, and then, so I took a personality test cause I was like, well, I don't want to be here. I don't want to go to school that long. So I got to figure something I can get done in four years. And I just took a personality profile and it said <laughs> marketing. So I went with it. Um, although, my personal feeling about that now is that like if I had it to do over again, I'd probably get an accounting degree because I feel like you can do accounting. I mean, you can do marketing with an accounting degree, but you can't do it the other way around. Yeah. You know? And so I like the idea of formal education being utilized for something that's, I guess, like a saleable skill, for lack of a better way to describe it after the fact. But I heard that and I was going to ask you this, like I hear a lot more of the feeder degree, undergrad degrees for law schools now is like engineering and stuff like that. Isn't that? Is that true? I, I haven't heard that. I don't know. I don't know why somebody would go to engineering and then <laughs> go to law they, school. But they were saying uh, what I've heard about it is that it's just it's it's methods of thinking that like, you know, the way that engineers think is more aligned with the way that lawyers need to think or something like that. So it's that'd be an interesting. I'll look into that. I, I, I don't know if I'm right about that or not, but it does seem like there's been a little bit of a shift on, you know, yeah. what feeds the the law profession. Um so you jumped into the next thing I was going to talk about was a little bit where you went in between. So you said ResCare, which I think was I right about that? Bright Spring is is I think. Yeah, I looked it up. I'm having trouble finding because I don't want to be clicking away on my keyboard during. Yeah, the, no, you're fine during this. But uh, yeah, Bright Spring Health Services. So yeah, and yeah, so, I, I was writing. Well, I was working on the proposal team. So for those of you who don't know, to get government business. Um, or just public sector business, you have to write proposals. You, you, typically, you don't have salespeople just going in there and selling a product or a service. You have to write a full-on proposal, which is a pretty tedious process. So basically, you're responding to RFPs, right? That's yep, kind of like exactly. that. Okay. RFPs, RFQs, what, you know, whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, so I was on that team, and you know, it wasn't a wasn't a bad job. I learned a lot, and that's that's where I first kind of started dabbling in InDesign, which is a graphic design kind of software. Um, and I really liked that. And then I got, uh, from that job, that, that job, uh, I had my second, I think my wife was pregnant with our second kid during that. And there was nights at that job I was working till like midnight or later, like driving, driving our proposals to UPS at like 1130 or midnight to get it there for the overnight <laughs> ship. Yeah. Um, which, you know, in my younger days was fine, but you know, having second kid, my kids didn't sleep well. I was like, man, I got to find something <laughs> a little bit more stable. So, uh, yeah, that's when I moved over to Luckin and Farley and that was a real good job. I left there on good terms. Um, that I, I learned a lot there. I grew a lot there. And then, um, then we moved to Indiana and I was kind of looking for something a little bit closer to home that, that, uh, it, it makes complete sense to me why people don't travel from Louisville to Indiana and from Indiana to Louisville anymore. That, that commute was, monstrous. So I uh, wanted something a little bit closer to home and found this job and been here since and been very yeah. happy. And that was around December of 2018, as far as I could tell. Yeah. You started with Progressive, right? October, November. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something like that. And so you basically are self-taught when it comes to the graphic design stuff. Is that what yeah. you were kind of, yeah. Yeah. Self-taught. Yeah. Watch a lot of videos and figured it on out. What was it about the pr proposal writing and stuff that drove you into that? Well, I mean, was it was it necessary for the position or did you just do it because you were curious about it or both? The graphic design side? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the only stuff we really did for those, so we did everything in Word. Um, 
And it was a really hard transition for me to go from word to InDesign. But yep. once I did, it was like InDesign is just such a comprehensive um, software that once I started playing around in that, the only things we really made were like the cover sheets in InDesign. Yep. So the whole, like if the proposal was 500 pages long, 500 pages of it were done in Word, but then the cover sheet and the back cover were done in InDesign. And once I started playing with that, uh, I started going to my managers and asking, um, hey, like, is there any other stuff that I can use this? Like, I'm having a blast in this software. Like, give me some more stuff to build in this software. So they had me do a couple little side projects, um, like little flow charts or chart stuff where I could, it kind of worked out perfectly because it, it wasn't very technical stuff, but it was, I was able to kind of really learn a lot about InDesign while I was doing those kind of trivial uh, projects. So it worked kind of transitioned pretty well. I had, when I started, I don't know if you'll remember this and maybe not, but there was a, a competitor to illustrator called freehand micro. I think it was macro media or something like that. Freehand. Mm-hmm. Does that ring a bell? Not really. No. no. So, that's the program my dad used when I first started working with him in this business. And so I actually, for a little while, I lo- I knew how to do graphic design in freehand. And then basically I think illustrator essentially bought them and killed it <laughs> and, you know, sort of bought their competitor and killed it. And, and then I still, to this day, do, do you do suite now? Adobe suite? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think those guys probably were one of the more successful cases in my opinion of like transitioning from, installed software to cloud that I've ever seen. Like, I mean, it was just like, yeah, they, and I've learned. So now it started with InDesign. I was basically all InDesign. And then I went to Photoshop cause I had the doctor photos and stuff. Yep. And then I went to illustrator cause I wanted to build my own logos and kind of actually create art and illustrators, the most fun one. Cause you can actually create like illustrator. As far as I'm concerned is the only one that you really build your own graphics in. Um, so that one's really fun. And then I got into the video editing with Premiere and After Effects, doing like mobile graphics with After Effects. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, if I were to try to pay for all of those individually, it'd be several hundred dollars. Um, but now I can do the cloud for it. I think it's like 60 bucks a month or something exactly. like that. And I, yeah. and I have, now I, I have you access to all the new software. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's and that was I remember. I remember early on that was the challenge is like, you know, what illustrator version were you on? And they were very expensive. Like to, you know, once your initial expense was, was pretty pricey. And then, you know, the upgrades were more affordable, but mm-hmm. uh, to stay up to date and stuff. And um, yeah, so we have, you know, I don't really use it, but our graphic designer, we've got a corporate subscription and then she, you know, she uses it. Um, so, yeah. So, okay. So, October, November-ish, 2018, you get over to Progressive. And now that's where, I, okay, so now I want to just transition to to talking about Progressive Materials. And the website, for anybody listening, is www.pmsilicone.com. I got that right, right? Yep. P- pmsilicone.com. And then are there any social media handles that you would want to put out there? Yeah, I mean, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, so all the main and, and you can link off to those from the website, most likely. Yeah, you can get to there from the website for sure. Yep. All right. So I know um, we've been working together for a little while. And, and one of the things that I want to do on these episodes is try to do a, a deeper dive into just understanding the company. And so um, I was doing, I mean, obviously, I know a little bit about you guys because we've done things right better. Um, we, <laughs> we've done things for, for you. And so is, and, and Brett Cavanaugh in our office takes care of most of, most of the things for you. Mm-hmm. Um and so I was looking it up, and you guys sell 
it's basically commercial roofing um, coatings. Is that sort of like a, it might be overly simplistic, but just tell me, like, just give me a little rundown of what Progressive Materials does. Yeah, so that's not overly simplistic. I mean, that's us in a nutshell. We manufacture silicone for roof coatings, big commercial roof systems. So the main question I get from people who don't know about us that have maybe seen an ad that we run or something is like, okay, so you guys go out there and you spray the stuff on. Um, and that's not what we do. We manufacture the silicone. We put it in a bucket or a big drum or a tote. And then we have a system of contractors. They're, we call them CLAs, Certified Licensed Applicators. We have a system of CLAs all around the country. So if you land and you come to me, and you're like, hey, man, my roof's leaking. Um, I really need some help. And, you know, you guys are good clients. So I'm going to give you first shot. Can you come out here and help us out? We would say yes. And since you're so local, we might come out and actually take a look at it for you. But realistically, we'd probably send a contractor or two or three out there to take a look. And then our CLAs would give you bids. Um, On the and, actual actual application. So Yeah. Yeah. Got it. He, progressive materials at its core. And by the way, this is your product. I mean, so, so like when I was looking out there, the, the, the coatings are, are they, I mean, did you guys design them? You have the patents. I don't know if I'm using the right words, but I mean, they're your product or is it something yeah. that you're buying from a third party or. Yeah, no, we call it a recipe and no, we have chemists in house. So yeah, no middleman, you know, you hear that kind of marketing, but you know, we, we don't have a middleman. We, we sell direct, we make it in house. We have, we actually just, um, you may have seen on our social media, we just finished our state-of-the-art uh, silicone manufacturing plant. Um, it's the most advanced silicone manufacturing plant in America. And we say, uh, we're, we're hesitant when we say the world, we haven't found one that is more advanced than ours in the world yet, but the world is a pretty big place. So we don't want to say that uh, <laughs> with full uh, full certainty without knowing for sure. But certainly in America, we're the most advanced. It's a pretty... Uh, astonishing feat. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, so that's, I mean, that is an interesting thing for me to make sure that I understand, which is yeah, kind of, I mean, I don't know if this is a good time, but it kind of reminds me of Coke. I mean, a lot of people see Coke, they drink Coke, but what they don't realize is that Coca-Cola at, at its core, Coca-Cola corporation does not make Coke. They make the syrup and they have a network of bottlers that actually make the Coke. Now, I know that they've kind of tossed back and forth between at one point, I think those bottlers were independently owned and then they maybe brought some back in where they were privately owned or I mean owned by the company, but that's their model. And so your model is we make the product. That's what we specialize in. And then as ter- in terms of applying it, we have a network of contractors essentially yeah. that go out and do that. Yeah. And the nice thing about going through us with our CLAs too, is that we've already vetted them for you. So if we have a CLA, <clears throat> you know, we warranty our product. So if we have a CLA that's going out there and doing shoddy work, you know, they're not we're going to kick them out of our program because at the end of the day it's going to end up costing us hundreds of thousands of dollars if they're going out there and coding millions of square feet and they're doing a bad job and then we got to go out there and fight warranty battles. Um, that's not a headache we are wanting to get. So um, the nice thing about using our CLAs is you know you're getting contractors that are trusted because if we trust them with our silicone then you can trust them with your roof. So it's a pretty good system for everybody involved. And do most of these CLAs, are they applying multiple? I mean, like, are they carrying progressive materials and then also all kinds of other types of roofing products, depending on what their customers need? Yeah. Yeah. So we have some that just do coding, but um, I would say the majority probably do have TPO, which is uh, like a single ply membrane. It's like a, almost like a plastic that comes in a roll or EPDMs, like a black, 
um, kind of plastic that comes in a roll. So yeah, they could do re-roofs, but silicone really is, um, in my opinion, the best option for roofing because it's environmentally friendly. Um, and then you don't have to tear off, tear off the roof or anything. Um, so your business can keep running while it's being renovated or uh, restored. So yeah. Well, they, so that was, so I was watching the video and it, you guys have a video on sort of like why, you know, why choose progressive. And so I think one thing that's, that's really interesting to me about what you got. And I, I mean, I have to admit like most, I think most of us running around most normal everyday people, when they think of roof, a roof, they think of shingles. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. and so we don't, I, I know I never really troubled myself to think, you know, when I'm walking into Walmart or I'm walking into Target or the strip mall, whatever it is, you know, there aren't shingles on top of that thing. Right. So I never really concerned myself with, well, what kind of, you know, first of all, they're flat roofs, what kind mm-hmm. of roof systems, roofing materials and things like that. Um, so the whole thing was interesting to me just from the standpoint of even just learning like, you know, the types of roofs that commercial buildings put on and, mm-hmm. um, I assume they last longer. I mean, I, you know, if I'm, if I'm a commercial business and first of all, you know, I guess it may be a dumb question. Why not put shingles on those? It's got to be due to like size, what's needed in terms of the performance. Yeah. Um, you know, how long they want them to last, things like that. Right. Yeah. Well, shingles are good for like a, a tilted roof like that. But I mean, if you got to think flat roof. Yep. Um, there's no point in hammering in thousands right. and thousands of shingles. Now there is a product called modified bitumen or mod bit. And it's very similar. It's um, kind of granular like a shingle would be, um, but it also comes in big rolls. And then um, there's a couple of different applications, but you could like torch it down with a blowtorch and like basically melt it to the roof decking. Um, but yeah, I mean, once that stuff's on there, the problem with all that, I, everything we've talked about besides silicone, kind of one of the big selling points is they all have seams. So yep. uh, think of, you know, if you got a roll, if, if you got a roof that's 100 feet wide, you're going to need, you know, if the rolls are, X amount of feet wide, you're going to need multiple rolls and there's going to be seams in there. So once the wear and tear starts, those seams yeah. are perfect entry points for liquid. water will find any and every opening. That's just Absolutely. the way it works. Yep. Yeah. So, the silicone so your, your coating goes on and once it's completed effectively, it's one big piece because it yeah. all just kind of sort of overlaps like you'd mow your grass, I guess, for lack of a better way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. And so you guys, as far as I can tell, is it, how many different types of materials? I saw the foam, I saw the silicone, and that is essentially those are the kind of the two buckets in terms of like the types of materials that you guys work in. Yeah, yeah. Now we don't really do much in the foam industry. Um, we're, we're manufacturing just silicone. Um, now there are other coatings and stuff out there, but silicone has such um, such good qualities that we don't really dabble in anything else. Uh, we're, we're just sticking with silicone for the time. Got being. it. I was like referring to the polyfoam. I think I saw it in the video. That's, that's why I was, it said yeah. something about pro polyfoam or something. We used to do a little bit more with foam. Um, yeah, we're kind of getting out of that. And just Got it. Okay. What has to do in terms, what, what do you guys have to do in terms of preparation? I mean, they obviously can't just, ju- you know, Hey, we're doing a flat roof. We're going to spray it with silicone. Um, you know, get a bunch of buckets of material, get up there and start spraying. I'm just curious, what's preparation look like to get the roof ready to be, to have the stuff applied? Yeah. I mean, it's almost that simple, really. I mean, in most cases, if the roof is in good shape and it just needs a restoration, it's as easy as power washing the roof first, just to get all the grime and the dirt and stuff off of there. Yep. Once it's power washed, in most cases, you're good to go. Um, we, we typically don't need primers. Um, there's really not much other work that goes into it now on metal roofs or roofs with seams. Sometimes you'll want to 
there's a, a product called butyl tape. It's like a sticky back tape that is really, um, oh, it's got high tensile strength, so it's hard to rip. You, you wouldn't be able to really rip butyl tape. So you might want to tape the seams and then coat the seams or like on a metal roof, you'd want to coat the bolt heads and stuff like that. So there is a little bit of prep work depending on certain types of roof or if there's really bad damage, you might have to do some prep work. But yeah, most roofs, I mean, a power wash and you're, uh, you're good to go. That's, that's crazy to think that it's, it's, it's that easy. Like, I mean, just, <laughs> and like, even on the edges, like I'm thinking like, um, you know, okay. Like the main body area of the roof, for example, or, I mean, when they, I mean, is it, is it, over simplistic to think about it a lot like just painting like i mean if i'm cutting in a you know an hvac unit that's on the roof and i'm going to cut it in like i would if i were cutting in a you know an outlet paint in the yeah. wall i mean yeah yeah now i i as the marketer for the company I hate to, yep. call, <laughs> to call it paint because it's so I much understand. better than yep. that but but no i mean you can even apply our stuff with a paint roller like a nap roller um uh, there's a lot of companies that don't even bother with the spray equipment they've got it down to a science with the rollers and they just do it that way so no, it, it's really simple. And uh, another thing that really makes it great is, like I said, you don't have to tear off the old substrate. So, I mean, <clears throat> you're keeping literal tons and tons and tons of waste out of landfills by using silicone. It's a very environmental. Well, it's got to be a heck of a lot cheaper, too. I mean, when you're talking about not having to do any kind of demo of any kind or remove any material, it's got to be a lot cheaper. I mean, I would think cheaper to a point. Oh, it's about half the cost of replacing a roof. Yeah. What would a replacement, I mean, like, um, are you going and, and usually coating over top of a similar coating or would it have been an original installation of some other type of roof or material? Most of what we do is just over the, the substrate. So like if your building has, you know, got, was, was built 15 years ago, we'll go up there and just power wash it and coat over that. Yeah. Um, silicone will adhere to other silicone. It'll adhere to acrylics. Um, but typically we're, we're just putting it on the substrate. And, so how long does a, like if I go and, and it got coded, you know, this week, how long could that potentially last before it would need attention again? I mean, you do, you do the, you do it right. I mean, we have a 20 year warranty and we honor that warranty. I mean, it's, it's a 20 year wow. watertight warranty. And the nice thing about it too, is after that 20 years is up, you can get up there and code it again. You don't have to pull it off. And I mean, it's, it's really, so you can get 40 years of roofing basically at what it would cost to replace Huh. your entire roof. Yeah. And I mean, because it's your product, I mean, you've got a pretty significant competitive advantage as a company. It sounds like to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we, we handle everything in house. So, I mean, you're getting everything from good prices to um, the knowledge of what the product actually is. So, I mean, our troubleshooting, our customer service, it's sure. It's all going to be. Do you have a lot of competition out there as far as like other people with proprietary silicone materials? Yeah, there's probably uh, seven to ten kind of top dogs um okay in silicone and uh, there but you'll have like these mom and pop shops come up and they're not it's not sure. real silicone they'll cut it with acrylics or they'll cut it with whatever to slop it on and make it you know half our price but with silicone you get what you pay for for sure yeah um so i'm curious then okay so you guys have been around how long have you been around how long has the company been around eight years eight years and you guys are doing business all over the country. Is it all over the world also or? Yeah, we have international sales. Um, it, it does get tricky with shipping sometimes because some of this stuff um, it's not, I wouldn't call it flammable, but there's just so many rules and regulations with shipping liquids mm -hmm. like this that <laughs> it makes it hard. So I, we're up in Canada for sure. And we're, 
down in Mexico, um, doing some business there, but we've got a couple accounts overseas. It, it's just, it takes a lot of work to get those accounts, um, up and running. And, you know, at a company, we're growing so fast in America, Canada and Mexico that it's just been kind of the, the true international stuff has been kind of on the back burner, I guess. Seems like that's probably why you see, and I would think long-term you may end up having to build a manufacturing plant in certain areas where you'd want to be. Cause it seems like there's a lot of companies that run into that same thing. And that if they have to, if they really want to enter those markets with a product like you or yours, they end up having to build something to just circumvent trying to get through customs or like actually ship things in. Yeah, we actually, we have a distribution center out West in Salt Lake city. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not, we're not mixing anything out there, creating anything out there, but it's pure distribution. Cause I mean, yeah, to ship from here to California takes a long time and it's super expensive. So um, yeah, there's been talk of opening up new plants elsewhere, but I, I think we're we're in a good place right now. But there's definitely going to be a need for expansion at some point in the, the next five to ten years. So you guys have been around a while, and um, sounds like you've obviously got a lot of customers. Tell me, let's transition into kind of your role as the VP of marketing and, and then start heading towards a little bit how you use you know the things that, that you get from us. Um, how do you get customers now? What are some of the, you know, since I know you're looking – And so that's kind of an, I guess I should ask that. I mean, we talked about the fact that, you know, your customer calls you, says, hey, I want to do this on my roof. You're going to channel them through a CLA. And so do you consider the CLAs your customers or the end user? I assume the CLAs are your customers. Yeah, the the CLAs are our our core group that we're marketing towards. um, And we try to do our best to help them get business. We have a couple different programs in place that if you are a CLA for progressive materials, we have uh, a couple different things that you can we can do like co-op marketing to help with lead generation. Um, now we do get calls, especially on social media. We get a lot of calls from business owners, um, but we just turn those over to our CLAs. And let's say we have one in Tulsa. You know, if we had a CLA that just bought, you know, a truckload of silicone, um, then they're probably going to get that lead. And it's just, we kind of, I mean, that's just sure. how business works, you know? So. And you're not actively marketing to end users at this point. Like if you're getting end user calls, it's probably due to some sort of, I'm making an assumption there, but it's some sort of referral or some other connection that they have. Uh, yeah, we'll do some marketing towards the end user, but like I said, that's part of our co-op program. So if you okay. are a CLA, if you do X amount of work, and there's no magic number to that, but if, if you're a loyal contractor that uses PM and you're a good contractor, um, we do have programs where we can help market to the end user, and then we just feed all of those leads to you if Yep. Uh, that all goes, we have a, we have a group of people called the regional managers and they handle all of the one-on-one relationships there. So all that's handled between the yeah. contractor and the regional manager. And I'm just kind of the person who puts the whole package together. And I think we've done some co-branded items here and there for, I, I would assume that that might have to do with some of that type of mm-hmm. co-marketing with the CLAs. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so in terms of getting new CLAs and some of the things you're doing, like tell me, you know, as detailed as you want to get, what are some of the things that you're doing? that have been most successful recently in acquiring new CLAs or, you know, just growing the customer base? Um, yeah. So that's mainly where our regional managers come in. Okay. <clears throat> I'm kind of a support wing to, I believe we have 13 now regional managers who go out and they establish these relationships. Um, and they, I, I don't know how they find them all the time. I, I help with marketing. And when I get contractors interested in our silicone, I'll pass them on, but um, but that's kind of where your all's stuff comes in is yep. if, if we have, you know, let's say Troy's out in Texas and he, he's talking to a contractor who's 
really interested, he'll email me and um, the team here and say, hey, I got a guy, he wants a, a gallon sample of this and he wants a koozie and he wants those headbands that you all are doing for us. Those things are huge. Yep. Uh, you know, our, these guys are up on roofs all day and these things, uh, they protect the neck. Some will wear two. Oh, the neck gators. Yep. The neck yep. gators. Yeah. Those yep. things are pretty sweet. Um, so they will one around their neck and their nose and their mouth and then one around their head to absorb the sweat. So those things are cool. The utility knives that you all did for us are, uh, for roofing. Those are pretty nice. Those snap off blades. Um, trying to think of what else. And then we, we also have stuff from you guys that like the waiters knives kind of more of a, sure high-end product or got it so yeah so like and that's and i'll i'm gonna back up one second before we get to talking more about that stuff because that's the next thing i do want to talk about but i did i do i can't i don't want to move on without asking this tell me in a snapshot just how did covid impact you guys i mean obviously it's impacted everybody um and we kind of mentioned i don't know whether we were alive or not at that point but we mentioned you know not many events but yeah just give me a little bit of like you know how's life look different the last 12 to 14 months for you compared to previous because of covid yeah. So it was definitely challenging. Um, and you got to remember that basically the whole country was shut down for what, four months or something like that. Yeah. And thankfully roofing was considered a, what, what were they calling it? A essential business. Yeah. Essential business. Um, so we did still have orders going out. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were doing marketing campaigns that right before it all shut down. And, you know, if I put out, 4,000 mailers <laughs> and then the offices got shut down. I mean, those mailers are just basically just going in the trash. Yeah. So, um, we definitely had orders going out, but it was, it was a rough spring. But then in June we had a record setting uh, month. Um, we kind of came back big, but then, you know, we had that second wave and yeah, 2020 was rough. There was no trade shows. We get a ton of leads from trade shows. Um, so we didn't have that going for us. Um, yeah, it was rough, but we survived. And I think in moments like that, if you can survive, you come through knowing more about yourself and your company and you come out stronger. So I definitely think we're stronger through through 2020. No, I agree with that completely. And I think that's that's some of what I want to chat about towards the end here. But I'm curious. So the no trade, you guys got a lot of leads through trade shows. Did you even attempt any, because I know a lot of these organizations attempted, you know, the Zoom or, sl- you know, slash virtual trade shows. Did you even attempt any of that or did you sort of just realize that there wasn't going to be a lot of benefit in it and sort of check out or how, how did you handle that? <laughs> yeah, well, we, we did one and it, it didn't go real well. I, I was against it. And, uh, another person here kind of talked us into trying it out and we tried it. And I think we got one lead from it and it was, I think it was a pity lead too. Cause the guy <laughs> was setting it up. He was like, Hey man, did you guys get any leads? And, and I was like, no, we haven't got any yet. And then I got a lead like, an hour later. And that was, the only <laughs> thing. so, uh, we didn't have much luck for it. I, you know, I don't want to hurt the, the trade shows out there who may have had success. So that, that's my one anecdote. So don't, don't, don't read too much into that. But for us personally, we didn't, we didn't have a great goal. And I think honestly, the, even the people organizing the trade shows are, they would say, you know what, we, we know that nothing can replace person to person interaction. And we were, and, and they were just trying to make lemonade out of lemons. All of us were. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there was probably significant hope that 2021 was just going to be back to normal. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case, but you know, I do think 2022 there's high hopes for that. Um, and you know, there's some things going on around the country right now with different restrictions being lifted and so on. So we're headed in the right direction. But, um, I think the other thing I would say too, is it's funny. I mean, listening to you kind of talk about that time frame, you know, in that, I don't know, 
May, March, April, May, somewhere in there. And then you, we had the fall, you know, time also. But to me, the, my observation was like, we, we saw people, I mean, it was like, you know, our, the economy was roaring. And I mean, you take a, a freight train like that and you stop it dead in its tracks the way that it did in March of last year. Um, there's a quite a bit of, you know, just fear and uncertainty. And then I think once people got their arms around that and they realized, hey, this thing's real, it's dangerous, you know, it can hurt some people. Um, but it's not, you know, this is not I Am Legend. You know, it's <laughs> not this, you know, the movies that I've watched. And once yeah. they realized that, um, then I think they just started to say, okay, th- then we have to keep doing business. And how do we do that? And that's what I saw. And then moment people, their mindset shifted to that. Then in our business too, the phone started to ring again and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. Hey, can you, can you guys handle drop shipments? Can you, you know, do, do some things because of the fact that people are working remote or, you know, whatever. Um, and then it just steadily came back through, through the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving back on to, um, you were taught, we started to kind of dip our toes into it a second ago about how you use, and, and, and I'm not, I don't want you to feel like you got to go over what you've already shared, but tell me just high level you know, philosophically how you use brand, you know, the, so now we'll get into, you know, the branded closing promotional items that we do for you. Sounds like you know, you've got these regional managers that are cultivating the CLA networks and a lot of it is being put out um, as they cultivate those relationships and use there. That's one of the main things, right? Mm-hmm. And what are some of the other ways? Um, I mean, and really, or does that really comprise most of it? Are there any other ways that you're using it? And, and I know, obviously I have some idea, but just to get it, sort of on on the episode here. Yeah, yeah. So that's the main way probably. That and trade shows are the main ways that we use you all. So um, the regional managers go out. They want to impress a client. They bring them. Uh, I, I was for a while putting together little packs of, we had like the stainless steel tumbler, a koozie, a waiter's knife, um, which for people who don't know, that's like the knife with the corkscrew and a bottle opener and yep, what else? a little knife on it. So it's like a kind of like a bartender's tool. Um, so I, I would put together these little kind of like have a drink on us packets. Um, those went over well, trade shows. But then, you know, in roofing, we also want to have stuff that is um, used. Like we don't we don't ever want to get from you all stuff that's just going to be thrown in the trash. Um, so like the utility knives are very, they're, they're used on a roof, the gator, the neck gator things. Like if I have a guy going out on a roof, with a contractor, he's going to get 20 of those and hand one out to everybody on the roof. Um, the t-shirts we get through you guys, we get tons of t- I mean, I can't imagine there's too many more, <laughs> too many companies out there that buy more t-shirts from you all than we do. No, and you guys are one of the top for sure. Yeah. We, we hand those out, uh, to all. Our and those are the safety. Those are the safety shirts, right? Yeah. We just started doing the safety, the safety yeah. ones, but we still get the gray ones too. Um, mm-hmm. But those safety yellow ones, I could see us kind of going 70-30 safety yellow. Those and given the nature of your business, I'm sure those are they become a bit of a consumable because they probably get damaged and when they're used and things like that. Yeah, and you know, we try to, yeah, we try to keep a, what we buy um, high end. We don't ever want to give away garbage, so um, we try to spend a good amount of money on the, the kind of swag stuff we give out. But yeah, for those t-shirts, that's. Well, with you guys, hell, we have four different styles of T-shirts that we use. We we have the really those like all cotton ones that we get that are really cheap, and those are basically going to be turning the rags in in a two weeks or a month. Then we have the ones that are a little bit better, and they have like a, some of the moisture wicking stuff, and those are meant to last maybe a couple months. And then the safety green ones 
are kind of in that one. We also have those soft touch ones from you all. Um, those ones where I, the ones I get with my T balls or my wiffle ball stuff, my wiffle oh, ball. Yeah. Yep. Those soft touch ones. And those get compliments left and right. Those ones are awesome. And then we also get all our polos from you guys for, um, like if we're going to a golf outing and a contractor wants shirts for the golf outing, or if, um, a contractor wants a nice PM polo, we'll hand those out as well. Yeah, no, it's, and no, you're right. And actually I was just talking with Brett about that, about, you know, the, the t-shirt orders, which we obviously greatly appreciate. And so that leads me into sort of now I wanted to talk to you about, you know, it, it, I go back and I, the, the genesis of this idea of doing a podcast was the customer testimonial. And one of the things I wanted to, to do differently was make sure that, you know, we talk to customers and we have an honest conversation with them about their experience with us. And, and I, I tell Brett all the time that, you know, every company out there has a sort of, there's a, a desired level of customer experience. There's, and then there's the actual level of customer experience, you know, and, and that varies by customer, by time, you know, where, where you're at with them and, and when. And um, I always say that our goal is to make sure that we know what that Delta is and do everything that we can to close it, eliminate it, reduce it. And um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, I know that you and I, we've had some things recently that didn't go very well. And, uh, you know, we've tried to work hard to, to address some of it. But so just a few questions I was going to ask is, you know, we'll start out with what would you say from your perspective we do well? I think the customer service is the main thing. I know you and I work with Brett more than I work with you these days. But um, if I need something and Brett and I have the luxury of having worked with each other for what, two and a half, three years now. Mm-hmm. So he kind of knows my personality. He knows what I want. And, um, but if I need something, Brett will send me four options. I mean, I'm doing all of the marketing myself here right now. Um, so I don't have time to go and go through whatever those websites are and look for the cheapest thing or the Brett just knows what I want. He sends me four or five different options and it makes it that easy for me. So, I'd say the customer service thing is is probably the best thing that you guys do. No, that's good, and and uh, no, I appreciate you saying that. So tell now now tell me this: what do we not do well? What what are the, and, and I'll just say where can we improve? So I'll just ask those at the same time, and um, just kind of hear from your perspective. You know where we've fallen short, and 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 what we need to do to get better going forward from your perspective. Uh, well, I think the problem with your industry is that you guys do great work. You're kind of at the mercy of your vendors, though, which has to be hard. So like. I don't know how specific you want me to get, but I mean, we just I mean, go for it. I, I, I mean, I, I know, you know, I know, but yeah, we'll talk about the Richardson hats and, uh, well, and then, yeah, let's talk go ahead. about, let's talk about Bic Cause that one's, Oh yeah. Yep. That one was it just happening. It was the second time in a row that Bic screwed it up. So we got these notepads and the colors were like the full range of hues in the color blue. It was like, went from like violet ish to like Navy and every color in between. Um, and it, it was just really bad work. So unfortunately for you guys, I look at this and my first thought is <laughs> damn it, Brett. Yep. But you guys went, you got it fixed. You got it taken care of. I got a full reorder and they let me keep the old ones, which we'll, we'll use for internal use. I won't hand them out to clients, but now, for the next six years, <laughs> PM has notepads that we can use. So, um, yeah, you all are kind of at the mercy of your vendors, which is unfortunate for you. But what I'll say about you guys is any issue I've had, I literally can't think of an issue I've had that you all haven't resolved fully um, at no expense to me and at no other than the headache of getting a thing and it not being right. Um, you all have taken care of it 
to the best of your ability. So kudos to you and your team. That's even when it's been a headache, the headache has been minimal and it's, it's not been because of your team. Yeah, no. And uh, yeah, it's like (laughs) funny, man. I think about, um, we say a lot. And my dad used to tell me this when I worked with him, it's like, you really don't learn a lot about people when things go well, you know, everybody really kind of performs well when things go well, it's when things go poorly that you tend to learn, you know, who you're dealing with. And however, there's always an elasticity to that, right? So it's like, you know, if you screw up everything, I can appreciate the fact that you always, <laughs> that you always fix it. But at a certain point, it's like stop screwing it up, you know. And sure. and and so that's where you know, like for I remember, you know, Brett walked in the office when the, the notepad thing happened, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" And you know what's funny about Bic? Um, it happened. I remember he walked in and he said it happened again, and I'm like, "You got to be kidding me, man!" And um, but Bic Graphic, when I started in this business with my dad, Bic Graphic was the standard of customer service. I mean, they were like one of the best companies in the industry, and it was just kind of like I knew that if I placed an order with Bic, it was nothing was going to happen. It was it was going to be perfect, and over the years, I don't really know exactly what's gone on, but I think some maybe some private equity got involved. They've acquired a bunch of companies, and then they recently rebranded. Now they're called the Koozie Group. They're not even called Bic anymore. Really, and yeah, so they're just this, and there's a lot of that. Um, I think to your point about being at the mercy of our vendors, um, is there's a tremendous amount of consolidation that's been going on in our industry on the vendor side. So there's a lot of the bigger companies, and there's PE money that's come into our industry for the bigger, the you know the big companies on that side, and they're all buying up the small companies and you know keeping the items that were big sellers and getting rid of everything else. And you know, big now Koozie's doing the same thing, and it's like. And because of your situation, just the other day, I had a notepad order. And I do know that over the years, I've learned when it comes to CMYK or full color printing, reds and blues can pose some of the biggest challenges if you don't set the color stuff up right on the back end, which you you probably understand a little bit in Illustrator. And they can really like like blues can go purple real quick and, you know, stuff like that. So um but I re- I was getting ready to place this order for another customer of mine. And I asked Brett, I was like, should I do it? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was nervous about it for that reason. And then obviously the Richardson thing. And, and you know, Richardson just really, it just completely melted down um, through 2020. I mean, they were kind of difficult to deal with as it was in terms of lead times, you know, six and eight week lead times. But yeah, every the, the train just flipped off the tracks completely with, with, you know, 2020 and, I remember you and I having a lot of hard conversations about that. And you said that like, Landon, I know it's not your problem, but you're the, you're their proxy, man. And we get that, you know? And I think I told you, that's like, Hey, you know, I have, I have to align myself with people that I can stand, you know, that I can vouch for. And if, if they screw up, it's on my hands too. And yeah, we just spent quite a bit of time talking about big, but at the end of the day or Tuesday or whatever they're called, but at the end of the day, I'll still use them. If that's who you recommend to me, because they, I mean, they got my issue resolved and like, two weeks or something like it really wasn't that big of a deal at the end of the day because they fix it really quickly. Richardson, <laughs> Richardson, I'll never use again. Th- those guys yep. are clowns. That, uh, like it's now, the problem. I wish they didn't make such great product because, uh, you know, I, I know. hate not having them, but, but I, no, I'm, I'm not, I'll never do them again. I'll tell you what's funny about that. And I'll, this will be kind of last point I make is, is the whole situation we went through with Richardson with you where, you know, we love the product and we feel the same way. And a lot of our customers feel the same way. Brit Richardson makes a fantastic product. And if you let them decorate it, it is awesome. But it just, the time it takes to get it again, there's an elasticity to it. I love it, but I'm not willing to deal with and or wait for whatever is going to be required to get it. Um, but that process forced us to, 
to try to figure out a way to get your hats done, it forced us to learn a lot. We actually found another decorator that we've uh, sent more and more business to that we love. We found a way to get patches done. And we've actually used that for several several other customers. And so the thing I've told Brett is I said, man, the one th- other thing I think I've learned in this business, especially, and I think business in general, is like some of the toughest situations like that can actually yield some really cool results on the other on the other side in building a deeper relationship with the customer. But also in this case, we found some other vendors that are going to help our other customers. So, um, so that worked out all the way around. Um, last question, and then I'm going to let you go because we're getting close to 50 minutes here. I just wanted you to tell me a little bit about the future plans for Progressive. Like where's where are the opportunities? And again, as specific as you want to get, where are the big growth opportunities for you guys into the future? Um, it's tricky. Yeah, I, I got to watch what okay. I say to a point. I understand. I, I think what I'll say is there's a lot of research and development that happens in chemistry. And being a company that prides itself on being environmentally friendly, I would say we're trying to continue in that trend, providing solutions that are green, um, providing solutions that keep waste out of landfills, that keep energy costs down. Um, we've got some cool stuff in the works, um, building our contractor list. I mean, we want to be the premier silicone manufacturer for America and the world. So, um, you know, without getting into too many details, I, I would yep. just say keep an eye out for new products. Um, follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a newsletter that we send out once a month. You can get to at the bottom of our webpage. That usually has some cool information if we have announcements. But uh, yeah, you'll you'll hear about it if we're doing something cool. That's for sure. Well, you guys are positioned well. I mean, obviously, the green slash eco thing uh, is, is not going away. If, if, if anything is doing nothing, but getting stronger and more important for, and, oh, for sure. you know, for the longest time, our industry, I felt like was kind of lagging behind, but it's definitely, it's showing up in our industry more every day. It feels like. So, um, well, Hey man, I want to let you go. Um, I appreciate you being here again, Klaus Schlimm, VP of marketing, progressive materials, and you can visit them at pmsilicone.com. And then, uh, once you get there, you actually can scroll to the bottom and, uh, rather than giving all the uh, social media handles. They're all at the bottom uh, of their webpage, pmsilicone.com. So um, thanks again. We appreciate, you know, our, my, I appreciate my friendship with you, the relationship you have with us and all the opportunities that you send us. For sure. Thanks a lot, Landon. You guys keep up the good work. I appreciate y'all uh, dealing. I know I can be needy sometimes. I appreciate you dealing with me. <laughs> Not at all, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, brother. Bye.